0: You are listening to Haftarah, the Sheer series, where we explore the connections between the Parsha Shavua and its corresponding Haftarah. Here at the database of the Rabbi Yisro Eisenberg, this week's Parsha is Parsha Hazinu. However, this Shabbos is actually Shabbos Shuvah at the moment of this recording, and that means that the regular Haftarah for Parsha Hazinu is not going to be read. But of course, you will be reading the Haftarah for Shabbos Shuvah, a Haftarah which is sometimes thought of as the Haftarah of Parsha Vayelech. However, this year, at the moment of this recording. When Parshas Vayelech was read, it was read in conjunction with Parshas Nitzavim, it was Nitzavim Vayelech, which is a common pairing. And when that happens, we read the Haftarah for Parshas Nitzavim. And the Haftarah for Parshas Vayelech is really the Haftarah for Shabbos Shuvah, which really depends on when Shabbos Shuvah is. So at the moment of this recording, Shabbos Shuvah coincides with Parshas Azinu. So again, we'll be reading the Haftarah for Shabbos Shuvah. However, here at Haftarah, here at the database, we do not want to neglect the Haftarah for the Parsha Shavua as well. So we're going to be focusing right now on the regular Haftarah for Parsha Zazenu. And Be'ez Rosh Hashem in the subsequent Haftarah Shir recording, we will look at the Haftarah for Shabbat Shuva. However, at this moment of the week, it is crunch time, and we have to get very ambitious to fit a lot into a little amount of time. And that is because. We're already at the end of the week, and I would still like to do a shir for not only Hazinu, and not only for Shabbos Shuvah, but in a few days, it's also going to be Yom Kippur, Habbalinu Latova. and that means that there are two Haftaras that we have to look at for Yom Kippur, of course the Haftara for Yom Kippur Shachars, and the famous Haftara for Yom Kippur Mincha. So Yom Kippur this year, at the moment of this recording, is going to be Sunday night, so it is my intention if we if I can to get in four Haftarah and before the week is over. If not, I'll try to get out get out the ones for Yom Kippur on Motse Shabbos. But let's now focus on the Haftara for a typical year where Hazinu is accorded its own Haftara and not the Haftara for Shabbos Shuvah. And that Haftara would come to us from say for Shmuel Parak Parakhoth base, twenty two in Shmuel Beis, Shukim Aleph through Noon Aleph, one through fifty-one. Obviously, a very long haftarah. Now, in a typical year, we would have the t'las de Paranusa and the Shiva de Nechamasah behind us. The three haftaras of of destruction or, or of of misfortune, of tragedy. Those were the haftaras between the um, the week of Shavasr Batamas and Tishbev. And of course, the Shiva the the Seven of constellation, which we also concluded with Parshas Nitzavim, or Nitzavim Vayelech. So, if now for the fact that this week would be Shabbos Shiva, we would be returning to our regular Haftara that actually corresponds to the Parsha Um And I, I point out that in a regular year like that, if we can call it a regular year, perhaps an irregular year because um, it is often that Hazinu coincides with Shabbat Shuvah. But in a year when Hazinu has its regular Haftarah, we would transition back to our original methodology of Haftarah analysis, which would be to actually analyze the internal relationship between the Parashashuvah and its corresponding Haftarah. we've taken a break from that in in many recent weeks. Um, But with that, we get to look at the Haftarah, which is, Typically associated with Parshas Zazinu, which is a passage known as Shiras David. And we'll see why the connection is quite obvious, but also what the problem is with the choice of Havatara very shortly after we dedicate this Shir Lili Nishmas in the Rasi Chai Rechabas David Harinik Barz or Nishama should have an Aliyah. Let's take a look at the Shira of David Hamelach and its connection to Hazinu, and then we'll raise some questions. So, at the simplest glance, the connection between the haftarah and the parsha is just the concept of shira, right? The scriptural term referring to a prophetic song, right? We know that Hazino itself is a shira. Shiras Hazino was a song of teaching and admonition, which Moshe Rabbeinu and his disciple, his Talmud Yehoshua, were told to teach the Bnei Israel at the end of Parshas Vayelech. He will teach them Shiras Hazino. And Shiras David is also a song of thanks, which David Hamelch recited after Hashem had rescued him from all of his pursuers. But as we might recall, there is a question to be asked here, which we have discussed when analyzing the Haftara way back for Parshas Beshalach, which we ought to readdress and revisit right here. And the simple, the simple version of that question is: if there is something beyond mere song. That connects this sidra of Hazina with its haftarah. See, because Parshas Bshalach featured the first major shira in Tanach, and that shira, of course, is the famous, perhaps the most famous shira of Az Yashir, otherwise known as Shiras Hayam, which Moshe and Israel sang when they finished crossing the Yam and escaped Mitzrayim. And its haftarah featured Shiras Devorah, the song which Devora, the Neviah, the prophetess, and the Shofetas, the acting judge at the time, which she sang after the Ben Israel defeated Sisra's army. And yet, we pointed out that on Pesach, when Shiras Hayam was read again, right the Shvi'i Shal Pesach, the seventh day of Pesach, the Haftarah that is read then is actually our Haftarah for Hazinu. Maybe not for this week at the moment of this recording, not for this year, but on a regular a year of Parshas Hazinu. So the Haftara for that Sidra of Hazinu, this Sidra of Hazinu, it was it was actually read already on Pesach, meaning both on the Shvi'i al-Pesach and during a week where Hazinu gets its own Haftara, we read the Shiras David, the Song of, of David HaMelech. So the question is, what the deeper connections are between each Haftara and the Sidros? That they are read with, or perhaps the Yom Tov that it is read on, because again, everything working out in a year different from this year, then Shiras David would be read twice: once on Pesach, once for Hazinu. And noting again that on Pesach, Shiras David is somehow corresponding to Az Yashir; it's corresponding to Shiras Hayam. And yet, when we re- reach Parsha Hazinu, Shiras David somehow has to correspond to Shira to Shiras Azino. But again, the question is, is the only connection the fact that there's a song? Right, where there are not enough songs in Tanakh to go around to be used as the Haftara? Right, we know that the Madras tells us that there are actually ten songs in Tanakh, So perhaps we could make arguments that, oh, okay, you know, let's use a different song. Why are we using this song twice? Right? So apparently, Shiraz Devora from Sefer Shovtan. And Shiras David from Sefer Shmuel Beis are both theoretically appropriate readings to complement Shiras Hayam of Parshas Beshalach. So a fair question to ask is why then does Beshalach get Shiras Devora, while Pesach gets Shiras David Hamelach? Now that second question is not what we are going to discuss right now, and it is a question that we discussed back on Pesach. So you can go back to the archives and listen to what we spoke about there. Either way, in the week of Parshas B'Shalach, we began to address the question of whether or not these songs in Navi were arbitrarily matched up with the song-related Sidros. And for example, why does Parshas B'Shalach get Shiras Devora while Hazinu gets Shiras David? And then we suggested initially that perhaps, to some extent, our our sages, our Chachamim, and our rabbis felt that these Prophetic songs and Nevi were both considered equally significant enough to fit either sidra, maybe, and so maybe it is, is it possible to suggest that our Masora maintained an order when selecting these songs as Haftaros, placing the earlier Shiras Devora with the first major song of the Torah, Shiras Hayam, and perhaps the the later and latter Shiras David with the final major song in the Torah, Shiras Azinu, but obviously that would not explain why on Pesach. When the same passage of Shiras Hayam is read, the Haftarah of Shiras Devorah is exchanged with Shiras David, giving Shiras David once again a second turn at being read. Now again, um, that's not our main question for today of why on Pesach, we, instead of Shiras Devorah, we read Shiras David. That was a conversation that we had again Pesach time. So again, you can go back to the archives there. However, even then, we didn't really end the conversation with this earlier, later theory. Oh, put the earlier song in, in, in Navi with the earlier song in the Torah. And put the later song in Navi with the later song in Torah. Uh, so we 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 like we suggested that as a possibility, but we didn't we, we suggested even further connections. And on the contrary, our goal at the week of Parshas B'Shalach was to focus on the integral, internal, intrinsic relationship between Shiraz Devora and Shiraz Ayam and to discuss the common themes that they each highlighted which we were indeed able to find. So you could go back to the archives and listen to the Haftarah for Parshas Bashalach as well. This week we're going to focus on what more deeply connects Shiras Hazinu and Shiraz David. All right. So with that, what do Shiras David and Shiras Hazinu have in common? Other than the fact that they are both shiros? they're both songs, is there anything more there? Now one interesting observation we can suggest is that in contrast to Beshalach and its Haftarah, Hazinu and its Haftarah don't merely feature songs, but basically the entire Sidra and the Haftarah are, in and of themselves, songs. Meaning the entire Parsha of Hazinu, virtually the entire Parsha, is a song, maybe with the exception of a few psukim at the end. And Shiraz David, the entire Haftarah, is the song of David. In contrast, for example, to Bishalach and its Haftarah from Sefer Shoftim, the Shiras Devora, those two tell larger stories, which also include passages of song. Right? If you look at Bishalach, you will not find just a song. You will not find just a Yashir, You will find wars. You will find, um, you know, um, um, stories of things that happened in the Parsha. And yes, in the Parsha, there happens to be a song. And the same thing with uh, um, with the Haftarah for for uh, for Abishalach, which was Shiras Devora. So at least in the Ashkenazi custom, there is also narrative that is in the Haftarah. And again, contrast that to our um, to our um, Haftarah and Parsha, which are overwhelmingly songs. So. That, that, that certainly is a possibility. Right? While B'Shalach and, and its Haftarah tell larger stories that include passages of song, Parsha HaZino is itself made up of a song as well as the Haftarah of Shiras David. Now again, that would not necessarily answer why Pesach um, and uh, the, when Aziz Shir is read on Pesach, why that corresponds to Shiras David, which for the third time today is not our discussion, but you can go back to the Pesach um, Haftarah to hear about that. But Perhaps we can at least for this week, or for a, a, a typical week of Hazinu when Itzchak Torah is read, we can suggest that as being a basis for the connection. But I want to suggest that even then we can do a little bit better. All right? So we already have two theories that are balabatish, which might work. Right? We have the earlier songs paired with the earlier song, earlier song will now be paired with the earlier song in the Torah, and later paired with the later. Theory number two, Balabatish theory, which may, of course, be M.S. Dick, is that there's a difference between Parshios that are narrative and song versus Parshios that are mostly just song, right? And similarly, Haftaras that combine narrative and song and Haftaras that are just song. So and those are, those are two, two theories so far, early-later, early-later, um, or narrative song and just song. But again, let's let's see if we can go even deeper. Because if we look at both Hazino and Shiraz David, we might notice that both Moshe Rabbeinu and David HaMelech reflect on a roller coaster ride of history, and they both emphasize that Hashem is the one running the show. They almost seem to describe this providence of Hashem matter-of-factly. It is not exactly the same celebratory ecstasy that we sort of get from Shiraz Hayam and Shiras Devora. You know, both of which also we uh, you know which also acknowledge Hashem's providence, the in the world. Meaning, if you look at Shira's Devora, you look at Shiraz Hayam, there's this certain sense of 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 heroes riding into the sunset. As Yashir, we did it, our enemies are dead. And yeah, you can look at Shiras Devid that way, that Devidhamelk's pursuers have now been out of his way. But if you read the song really closely, there's something a little bit more sobering. It's not exactly David Hamelch riding off into the sunset. right? Not like Shiraz Devora, where Devora wins her battle, and Shiraz Hayam, where Klai, Israel, um, in their own way, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, defeat the it's, uh, it's, It's a little bit different, and I would say, again, Hazinu also is not exactly a flattering ride off into the sunset. So, how can you tell? How can you tell that Shiraz Hazino and Shiraz David are different. So if you look at the opening Pasuk of our Haftarah, it says something very strange. It says, And David spoke the words of the song, So David spoke the words of the song, on the day that Hashem saved him from the palm of his enemies and from the palm of Shol. So, did you notice anything strange about that introduction? Right. So, maybe my maybe you heard it in my emphasis, but the Navi tells us that David spoke the words of this song. Right. It doesn't say that he sung them. Right? For example, if you look at other songs in Tanakh, we're told that they were actually sung. Az Yashir Moshe, and then Moshe chose to sing, and Moshe sang Shir and similarly. In the haftarah for Beshalach, v'atashar Devora, and Devora sang, Devora devora sang Shiras Devora. However, again, you look at our song in our haftarah; it says v'ayidaber David, that David spoke the song. That's interesting because I I, normally we would think of we would think of singing a song, not speaking a song, right? Like uh, maybe there's an art form where you are speaking to a musical accompaniment, and I don't know if that's what happened with David Amalach, but it is a bit strange that the Navi says that he spoke the song. Now interestingly, if one looks at the context of Shiras Hazinu, we are also told there, not that it was sung by anyone either. Right? We're told that it was taught to the Vin Israel and placed into their mouths. More strikingly, just as we're told that Shiras David was spoken, the Torah testifies regarding Shiras Hazinu, Vaida Moshe as called Rehashir Hazos, and Moshe spoke all of the words of this song. In other words, just like Shiras David, Shiras Hazinu also was not necessarily sung, but it was spoken. Now there is a there's a more integral connection, and the question is, why isn't Shiras Hazinu sung? Right, and again, why was Shiras David also not sung? Why were they spoken? Now apparently Shiros and Tanakh come in different flavors. Some are easily celebratory, while the others are perhaps slightly more sombre and actually more difficult to sing. And if you look at Shiraz Azino you know, itself, it appears to be one of those songs, essentially because it goes through the life of the Bin Israel, describing the good that Hashem had done them. And yet have they kicked him for it in return? It talks about the suffering they would undergo for doing so. And it's plainly not pleasant. Yes, it's an important piece for the Bnei to hear and to learn. There are lessons that need to be learned. There is a nerve, perhaps, that Hashem wanted to hit with this song. But if one thing is certain, this shira, this, this song of Hazinu, it's difficult to listen to if you actually pay attention to the words, and, and certainly difficult in that case to sing. But the question now is why David's song needed to be spoken and not sung. Right, we could understand why Hazinu has a very sobering message, even though it's meant to be sung perhaps by its listeners who would learn it, and as the Torah testifies that Lotish um or hopefully the um, Klai would not forget it, But we can understand why this is something that had to be sung, or or had to be spoken and placed into their mouth. Right? They had to be perhaps force-fed the song, if you will. What about Shiras David? So, what's David HaMelech doing in his song? So we said that he's thanking Hashem for guarding his life through his every travail. We might have thought, then, if this is about David HaMelech being saved from his enemies, that he should be dancing in celebration. However, perhaps David HaMelech is not wholly feeling that feeling of jubilation. Or perhaps there is many travails, and yes, there is many salvations. David HaMelech is feeling, you know, again, not to get into David HaMelech's head, but perhaps we might describe a person in his circumstances, maybe a typical person in his circumstances would be exhausted, perhaps humbled by his salvation. Right? David HaMelech himself, he, desc- um, you know, he describes in his song with vivid imagery how Hashem emerged from the heavens and pulled him out of the water. Now, whatever it may be, David HaMelech is not singing. He is speaking this song of what we might refer to as a song of relief. And perhaps there's one glaring problem with this theory, that again, David HaMelech's song is meant to be more sobering than it is to be celebratory. Because if you read the entire Shiras David, again, um, from beginning to end, read the whole song in its entirety, David HaMelech does something that's quite odd. We would certainly say so by our own standards. Right, for no fewer than seven verses, seven psukim, in Shmuel Beis, Beis, between Psukim Chaf Aleph and Chaf Zayin, David Hamelch seems to laud himself. He, he he appears to be praising and complimenting himself, suggesting that Hashem paid him in accordance with his own personal righteousness, how, out of David Hamelch's own innocence and piety, Hashem had protected him. And what is equally strange is that in the very next verse, in Pasuk Chavches, David goes on to say that Hashem rescues the humble and he lowers the haughty You hear why that is a little bit odd. The question is how in seven verses David could give himself all of this credit and then in the next verse He throws in a bit about how Hashem rescues the humble and lowers the haughty At least at this point of the haftarah, it does not sound like the message of someone who is humbled It doesn't sound very sobering at that point. That sounds like he's taking a victory lap. However, perhaps this is actually the significance behind the fact that, as we mentioned, David Hamelch is not singing the song, but he's really just speaking it. Or perhaps similarly to Moshe Rabenu, who was the most humble man, and intellectually knew that and he wrote that message in the Torah that, that, that he himself was an Anav Moed So perhaps David Hamelch, in a certain sense, was also just admitting facts. About his objective level of greatness, and something that we've mentioned in the past is that perhaps describing an objective level of greatness, right? I won the game, for example. I I, I won. That's not that's not that's that's not that's not in, intrinsically an arrogant statement. It's just a factual statement. Now, a person can be arrogant and speaking facts; right? otherwise, he's a liar. Um, and as as, as Mentioned humility does not mean to downplay um, or be unaware of one's actual worth, right? Um, and David Hamelach, perhaps like Moshe Rabinu was uh, was actually a humble person, right? Um, to to be aware of a person's level of greatness, um, uh, assuming that it's within, it's within it's, it's within truth, that then that that is not something that we would call. Um, necessarily being arrogant, depending on how a person carries himself, right? At least the concept of anivus, when we refer to anivus, right? It, it actually means um, just the opposite. It actually means being fully aware of your worth and having the security to acknowledge your worth, and of course to present yourself, to carry yourself in a dignified way, so as not to be carried away by your own worth, right? So if that's true, then daven haMelech we would say is perhaps the opposite of a typical uh, modern politician. On the one hand, he's not singing the praises of himself because, again, he himself acknowledges that Hashem rescues those who are humble. On the other hand, it does seem a little bit strange that David HaMelech sort of appears to be dressing himself in what we might otherwise have referred to as the sackcloth of feigned humility in the public eye. I don't actually believe he's doing that, but the presentation is strange. And, and in fact, it is because David HaMelech merely speaks this song by Daber David and freely describes his own merit in this matter-of-fact sort of way that perhaps we can truly understand both his credit and his humility. So what I mean is that if on the one hand... David is not singing his praises, but on the other hand, he's not hiding them either. He is speaking his praises. So, what exactly is David Malach trying to do? So, what I want to suggest is based on what we know from our Messorah, actually, that the expression of Dibor, speaking, is an expression of teaching and direction. Hashem Moshe Leimor is always in reference to Hashem giving instruction. It is the stricter Lashon it is not just an expression of communicating but it's 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 an uh, it's uh, it's, uh, it's uh, an expression of teaching so that if david HaMelech is speaking this song perhaps much like moshe Rabbeinu, who spoke hazinu it is perhaps because he is trying to teach its readers something and in a week where this is the haftarah that we read so the question is what is david HaMelech trying to teach us and perhaps the lesson here is that number one, that of course Hashem is the ultimate savior, and number two, Hashem saves those who humbly keep His Torah. All right, that is what people have to know. And that said, again, we are looking at what we're looking at here is not a victory song, but it's a song of clear-headed acceptance of reality, of how Hashem works. And perhaps in this kind of way, Shiras Hazino and Shiras David, seemingly contrary to Shiras Hayam and Shiras Devorah, for example they emphasize a more sobering look at this larger picture of divine providence. Right? Between Hazinu and Shiraz David, we see the difference between deserved salvation and perhaps undeserved salvation. In this way, the Haftarah sort of complements the Parsha, right? because Hazinu gives us the side of salvation that was perhaps not deserved. And yet Shiraz David David says, yeah, but you know, as a rule, there, there's such a thing as deserving salvation. And when David HaMelech was innocent in the face of his enemies, which we know from Nevi was true, right? we we know that David HaMelech did not deserve to be pursued by Sheol. And we know that all along he was innocent. So Hazinu shows how Hashem comes out for his people, even when we can argue that we largely do not deserve it. And yet it's important, sometimes as as we've pointed out in the past, to see the other side of things, right? Sometimes the haftura teaches us the other side of the coin. Um, a, an idea that I wouldn't say is contrary, though sometimes it seems that way to the parsha, but it's 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 it complements the parsha by giving us what is perhaps also true on the other side. And that is that there is such a thing as deserving salvation and Hashem being there for those who are loyal to him. And that that, that is what we get from Shiraz David in contrast to Shira's Hazinu. But uh, yes, we have on the one hand an important connection and yet an important an important point of contrast. So together, Shiraz Hazino and shiras David provide the kind of awakening that calls on us to consider how often it is that in our own lives Hashem has rescued us when perhaps we did not fully deserve it. And if perhaps we deserved our salvations, then that's great. Our response should be to continue doing what we have done thus far to deserve it. If you were innocent and you did everything right, and and for some reason, you know um, you 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 feel that Hashem has, you know unjustly caused you to be attacked. Hashem has unjustly, um, you know, put you in a place of harm, but then Hashem delivered you from it. So you can make like David and Malik and say, okay, you know, Baruch Hashem, Hashem saved me. Experience that relief experience that song and communicate that song, teach that song, not to say that, yeah, you know what, um, maybe maybe not in David HaMelech's form to say, yeah, I was innocent and Hashem saved me. You could say, I don't know why Hashem put me through this, but Hashem took me out of it. Right? Some people, they will not be that humble and they will say, oh, you know what, I did not deserve this, right? And um, you know, maybe they have more of an approach similar to Eov, right? We know Eov went through his travails and there's a whole discussion about where, whether Eov was truly innocent or not. But there is, there is perhaps a fair position to say that, hey, I was, I was in a tough spot. I didn't deserve it. But you know what? Hashem took me out of it. And you could humbly accept that Hashem took you out of it. And thank Hashem, even though you don't understand why He put you through that. And that perhaps is the David HaMelech model. And perhaps for most of us, it's not that way. Perhaps for most of us, um, like the rest of the Bnei Yisrael, the way we're portrayed in Hazinu, right? Because on the one hand you have the Davin HaMelech model that, yes, Hashem saved us. Thank Hashem for it. But beyond, you know, be, beyond beyond the Davin HaMelech model, who can possibly know for sure that they didn't deserve whatever travails Hashem put them through? And again, this is not to suggest that anyone who suffers—it's because we can point to another area that they did. We learned from, you know, from, we learned from Eov recently and Nachiomi that that cannot be, you know, that that, that cannot be for, that cannot be suggested for sure who can suggest, in an intellectually honest way, on the other hand, what he truly deserves? For us, perhaps humility means to assume that we always need to prove ourselves, that we are most likely undeserving. And if we are like the B'nai Sera model, as they are portrayed in Hazinu, so we are really in great debt to Hashem. It's better for us to start deserving our salvations instead of kicking Hashem for it. Indeed, we have what to learn from these two humbling songs that were perhaps unsung, but they were spoken, they were taught, and all the lessons that we have to learn, we should learn those lessons. And of course, we should be Zoka to humbly appreciate Hashem's constant gifts and protection of us. This is true, both the undeserved and perhaps the more rarely deserved. And Hashem should enable us to hourly sing the songs of His salvation. And hopefully we should get to sing the song of the final geul on the days of Mashiach, but until next time, if you enjoy this year and others like it on the podcast and want to partner up with us with a sponsorship or if you have questions comments concerns recommendations or you want to join the database podcast whatsapp group where you can find links to have you uploaded sheer and links to share that i repost due to their relevance and all you have to do is reach out to me at the at gmail.com that's the data then base b-e-i-s at gmail.com stay tuned for the haftarah sheer for shabbos shuva and of course the two haftarah she'erim for yom kippur until next time have a wonderful rest of your week and thank you for joining us here at the database and of course have a wonderful shabbos shuva